I say there is a conspiracy in the heavens. Uh, people uh, act, uh, ask me about that, and, and uh, in fact, I've been asked very recently about, well, what do I believe about the spiritual war and about conspiracies? And uh, I say that the, that the Christian viewpoint really is like a man looking at a mountain that has a cloud settled over it. And you look at the mountain, and there's a cloud settled over the top of it, say the last, oh, uh, the, the, the mountain looking uh, in, a plain, in a plain surface, a mountain looking like a triangle. And uh, perhaps a quarter of the way down or so forth, you see only a cloud, and the mountain is, is, is uh, cut off. So you never see the, the very highest point of that triangle or the apex. This is a this is what the world looks like to the to the knowledgeable Christian to the one looking at the scriptures. We see evil organized up to a certain point, and we need to realize that invisibly above that is the conspiracy of the devil and his angels. And when we're told that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, that is consistent with the with the witness that our Lord Jesus Christ had to Pontius Pilate, where he said. My kingdom is not of this world. And so I posited yesterday for your, for your consideration that the Christian's agenda is not one of this world, and I contended that this is where Reformed theology fails and Dominion theology uh, fails, because in each case it focuses our attention not on the things in heaven but on the things of this world, and what follows from that is going to be uh, um, it's going to be an agenda that's not of God. When we see that our warfare is in the heavenly places and that our position is not as citizens of this world, but that our citizenship is heavenly, as Philippians chapter one says, then we understand the agenda that God will give us, as generally stated uh, in Ephesians chapter six where we read uh, that we we need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, that's resurrection power, so that we put on the whole armor of God or the entire armor of God, that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil uh, or the, the wiles of the devil, as the King James Version reads, in fact, it says, put on the entire armor or the panoply of God. Uh, that is the Greek word panoplia, which means the multifaceted uh, armaments of God. And uh, they're detailed there, uh, which thing we won't look at for now. But uh, I, I refer you to the prophet of doing that. And then it tells us that we, we, need, to, we need to be able to do this so that we can stand against the the wiles of the devil. So the devil has these these wiles. The devil has his cunning craftiness. The uh, uh, in in fact before we're told to st- to stand as we're learning to walk in the same book of Ephesians, we're we're told that we need to maintain a certain unity of the faith which is given to us which, by the way, dear friend, includes one hope of our calling. We can't have different hopes. Uh, there, is an, there is an attempt by our enemy to get us all on different hopes, but I submit to you that every Christian has the exact same hope of his calling, which is to be pleasing 
to the Lord Je- to, to the Lord Jesus Christ and acknowledged as such at the judgment seat of Christ. So we maintain a unity of the Spirit. That's something that's given to us. It's part of the gift. But something that we enter into is the unity of the faith. And, and that's Ephesians chapter 4 says, Until we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, which means, among other things, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children, that is, that we grow and be mature to sons, and that we not be children, tossed, and what are children like? They are tossed to and fro. You want to know what it is to be a a baby Christian? Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now now we see this wind. Uh, Well, the wind of of doctrine. There's the air, the prince of the power of the air, stirring up winds of doctrine, which will carry us off by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness. The cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Now, we see winds of doctrine. We see the slight of man. We see the methodology of deception. We see it in men, but we know it to be, through the observation of the Scripture, to be the methodologies or the wiles of, of Satan, and uh, this now we walk one in in that way. But when it comes to wicked spirits in heavenly places, we we are we are told to put on the panoply of God that we might what stand. So the book of Ephesians, we find out that we're seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That we walk in works prepared by God for us to walk in because we are His workmanship. And now we stand, not against flesh and blood. That's not where we wrestle. We stand up. You got to stand up to wrestle. In, in fact, the one thing, if you've if you've ever tried to wrestle, if you've ever done any of it at all, uh, the one huge disadvantage is when you're no longer standing. And uh, the opponent in a wrestling contest is always trying to shoot your leg or whatever it is to get you off your feet. So here now is the Christian rule of life to stand against the, the the schemes, the wiles, the methodical attempt of the devil to undermine us. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Well, what do we stand against? We stand against, not we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spirit, uh, spiritual wickedness, or literally wicked spirits in the in, in heavenly places. Now, friends, if you reverse that, you find out there are wicked spirits in high places, there are rulers of the darkness of this world, there are powers, there are principalities. And who operates in a principality? A prince does. One of the, one of the demons that opposed uh, uh, the angel sent to Daniel to reveal to him uh, the, tr- the truth of, uh, in answer to his prayers said that the prince of Persia opposed him and that Michael, your prince, that is the prince of Israel, therefore the prince of Daniel, Michael, the assigned prince uh, of the nation of Israel, warred against that prince of Persia 
and therefore the message or the answer to prayer came to Daniel. We do not have any reason to believe that the heavens have been reorganized or Lord, they have been cleansed. The Lord Jesus Christ went through the heavens, cleansed them with his blood. Uh, he paralyzed the works of Satan. Uh, we have a man at the right hand of God, so we now have a better arrangement than Daniel had. Daniel had the Lord Jesus Christ at the right hand of God, but he did not have a man at the right hand of God because the Lord Jesus Christ had not yet been incarnated. He also did not have the personal presence in the way that we have of the Holy Ghost as his advocate here below, uh, though God Almighty being omnipresent, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, in fact, everywhere, Daniel being a prophet, the Holy Ghost in him, speaking things to him so that he could articulate perfectly uh, the Scriptures. He was one of the holy men uh, that knew that he was speaking the Word of God, uh, prophets of old, and, and but did not understand the form of time that the Spirit of God that was in him was declaring, but he did not have the advocacy of the Spirit in the, in, the, in the way that we do. We have an advocate here below calling us alongside the paraclete, who is just like the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ called his apostles alongside of himself, instructed them. Uh, we have uh, in his place one just like him, the Holy Ghost, here on earth. In heaven we have a man uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever, at the, an advocate for us at the right hand of God the Father as a high priest over the house of God, not a high priest over the world, but over his own house. So we have all these advantages, and we have the panoply of God so that we can stand against all these forces arrayed against us in the heavens. Now, we've been uh, taking this matter up, and I know it's it was it was a bit controversial yesterday when we talked about uh, in observing the scriptures, for example, in Genesis chapter 1, that we can see between the first two verses, between Genesis 1, 1, and Genesis 1, 2, we can see the fall of Satan. We can see it there in picture form. We, can make, we made some observations about darkness, and that darkness becomes personified. I know that that's a controversial subject in, in Christianity, unhappily, uh, much of Christianity seems to suffer from the hands of those who would be friends, uh, and I think that the, that the whole creation science movement has done despot to the Word of God, maybe unintended, but has, has done uh, much damage to correct teaching in the Scriptures. Uh, I realize that that's controversial, but my friends, it has to be said. We have to depend upon the Scriptures and not on rock formations and fossil finds and other matters of mere conjecture about origins we have the Word of God pointing out important things to us. Uh, we want to trace the development of the spiritual attack against man, and, and I'll tell you that Satan almost succeeded. Now, when I, when I say that, I'm being dramatic. It is not possible for Satan to almost succeed against God. So I use language to draw interest, but that's not really entirely accurate when I say he almost succeeded. If, if God did not have a plan to redeem man and to be true to his promise that he would bring the Redeemer into the race of men, Satan would have destroyed the entire race of men. 
Now, he, he wants to do that. He still would do that. He still tries to do that. He's just allowed to go only so far and no further by God. And that's the way God has it. And maybe you ask why or why does he then find fault or other questions where you become a contradiction to your own self as the thing created begin to question the creator. So the Bible says you're a contradiction to yourself. You're way out of line to begin to question the righteousness of God. You need to look at your own righteousness, find out that you're the one that's messed up, not him. You're the one that needs to be saved from sins, not him. And and quit asking such ridiculous questions. By the way, that's my answer to some of the ridiculous Calvinist questions. The Bible says your question is stupid. Quit asking it. Well, that being said, Satan continued his attempt to destroy man. He he tempted Eve. She sinned. Uh, Adam followed in that sin. Uh, he was chased out of the garden. Uh, God created a cover. God promised the Redeemer. Satan got a hold of his man, uh, Cain. He tried to destroy the seed. If, if he could destroy Abel and there were no more children from Eve, then he had he had finished off that work, but along came uh, Seth uh, in place of Abel, and God continued the race, and, and God continued the race of men uh, beyond Seth, and we can read about that in the book of the generations of Adam, which is Genesis chapter 5, but we're not going to read about that. We're going to we're going to go uh, for our because our subject is to lay open the the history of the angelic conflict, uh, in order that against that history we can now see how the kingdom of the heavens operates today and where the angelic conflict lies and what it's like. Uh, we we need to set up a backdrop of the history of angelic conflict, and that's what I'm doing. We look to a a real prime passage that lays this out. Uh, prior to the flood in antediluvian days in Genesis chapter 6. So let me read it. Uh, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, and don't you forget that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. Now I want to take this passage apart, because I've read it to you out of the King James Version, and I like the King James Version, People ask me, why do you like the King James Version? Three reasons. One, because the King James Version is an accurate translation of Scripture. Two, because the King James Version has been around so long that there are many good, solid Bible helps organized around the King James Versions that are very cheap, even free, those helps. Three, and don't forget this, this could be the most important The King James Version has no copyright and therefore is freely distributable in the English language to anyone, anytime, any way you want, and that makes it unique. So, now, that being said, well, did I say, and it's good enough for the Apostle Paul to use, it's good enough for me. So, Genesis chapter 6 here has a few things that really, if you look at the text, and I know maybe some of you are driving or 
or sitting where you're not looking at the Bible, or as one told me, just laying back and listening, uh, I want to make a few corrections and a few observations. The first thing I want to correct or uh, observe is that the the Bible text says that the sons of God saw the daughters, and King James reads, the daughters of men. But in fact, in the text, we have uh, the Hebrew ha-adam. Now, uh, I don't know how the... I don't know how the microphone picks up Hadam, but that is a definite that is a definite singular it is a definite article and a singular. So it is literally a singular man, the man Adam. So we could read this that the sons of God saw the daughters of the man Adam, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with the man Adam for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. And so if we take the life of Adam, which in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 3 said, Adam lived a hundred and thirty years, begat a son in his own likeness, after his image, and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he begotten Seth were eight hundred years, and he begat sons and daughters. All the days that Adam lived were nine hundred and thirty years, and he died. We're talking about the angelic interference in the race of men that, that, that predicated the flood. I want to tell you, my friend, God needed to bring the flood. He wouldn't have brought the flood if he could have done it any other way. He needed to bring the flood. And uh, we, we find that in the Genesis chapter 6, that when the sons of God saw the daughters of the man Adam, that they were fair, that this happened 120 years before Adam's a uh, 930-year lifespan. So it happened in the year 810 after Adam. This we find in the third verse, His day, uh, the, my spirit shall not always strive with the man Adam because he's also flesh, yet his day shall be 120 years. God gave Adam 120 years. And I want to say that Adam dying at 930 years fulfills the Scripture what God said because God told Adam, in the day that thou shalt eat of the forbidden fruit, dying thy shalt, thou shalt die. And, of course, one of the lies that Satan told Adam and Eve, I'm sure, is, you see, you didn't die. But, but God said, dying you shall die in the day that you eat of it. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. And so in the day that Adam ate of that forbidden fruit from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil... He died just as the Lord said. Now, with his 120 years warning, because the the sons of God, and we looked in Job to discover that those, in fact, were angelic beings, the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Uh, this was a horrible thing. This is something that if we look in the Scripture, we see that angels try to do. Angels try to incarnate themselves. Now, you may wonder why that is. I don't wonder why that is, because they are hostile enemies against God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ's purpose from the time of the fall of man was to incarnate himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, being the Son of God incarnate. So it's no surprise that his enemies, that his enemy, Satan, and the angels that follow him would also try to get something of an incarnation of themselves. Uh, I talked to you uh, yesterday and told you that the book of Job, 
or excuse me, the book of Jude seems to indicate that angels have heavenly bodies to carry out their missions among men when called to do so. They appear among men in human form, in male form. And so here now, uh, not keeping their first estate, uh, but leaving their principality, setting aside their heavenly body and leaving their principality, they come in to the daughters of the man Adam. Now it says in in this book, uh, in, in verse 4, there were giants in the earth in those days. This were giants. Uh, uh, likely you've heard about it. Uh, these giants are the Nephilim, or the fallen ones. These are these are not human beings. The 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 Nephilim are they're called Nephilim in one uh, particular uh, case. Other places they're called Rapha, uh, uh, the the fallen ones. The Rapha. Yeah, the the Rapha, for example, Goliath is said to be of the Rapha, of the Rapha. And so Goliath, not a human being, neither were his brothers human beings. And that's consistent with this with this uh, uh, passage of Scripture because uh, it tells us that there were giants on the earth in those days and also after that. Og the, uh, the, and Sihon, the enemies of the Israelites as they entered into the Promised Land, uh, also Rapha and of, of uh, large proportions. Uh, these, uh, uh, these angels came in unto the daughters of the man Adam, and, and they bear and read children to them, but in your King James Version, the word children is in italics. It's been added by translators, hopefully to help you. In this case, it does not help you. It just says, they came into the daughters of the man Adam and bear to them the same became mighty men of old, men of renown. And so these heroes, this this men of great names, uh, these heroes uh, are probably, uh, or, or could be, for example, uh, the basis in, in fact that's been corrupted in Greek mythology, uh, of course elaborated upon and destroyed as Gentiles do in their writings. Uh, but there could have been these great men of great size and power, uh, born unto women as the angels entered and erupted into the human race. And what did God see? God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And this is the way it is with man. Man is so depraved. Man is thoroughly depraved. In fact, except for the grace of God and the and the uh, salutary influence of God, the wickedness of man will grow so much, and he'll become so totally wicked that every imagination of the thought of his mind will only be evil always. My friend, uh, lost friend, if you have some nice thoughts, if you have some good thoughts, if you have any thoughts... Uh, that are uh, good about that God is good, that God wants to save you from your sins. If there, if when I tell you that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that God loved the world and sent His Son to die for you, if that has any appeal to your mind, that is the grace of God in your mind, because your mind naturally would be would fall to the level of having only evil thoughts all the time.
This is the state of man prior to the flood. It was so bad with man that it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then we have verse 9 of chapter 6, actually should be a maybe a chapter separation. These are the generations of Noah. It really opens up a different section of the book of Genesis. And it tells us that Noah was a just man. And what does it mean to be a just man? That means Noah was a justified man. That means Noah believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was saved. He believed in the Lord Jesus Christ according to the promise that God gave to Adam that the seed of the uh, and, and that the seed that he had the seed of that he would bring the seed of the woman into the race and enmity against Satan's seed. And it sa- so it said Noah was a just man. That means a justified man. And then it says and perfect in his generations. Now, uh, this means that he was integral. That's the word perfect, uh, that he was integral, or that he was whole among his contemporaries. This does not mean Noah was sinless. This does not mean that Noah was beyond being a just man. It is not another way of saying that he was a just man. He's a justified man the only way a man is ever justified, and that is he's justified by the grace of God through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So what does it mean that he was perfect uh, in his among his contemporaries or he was perfect in his generation? That means that Noah had no blemish in himself. Noah, one, one, one has written it this way. Noah was perfect in his genealogy. That is to say that Noah had not been infected by the angelic interruption or eruption into the race. And so Noah qualified as a just man and as a justified man. And Noah qualified, let me put it this way, Noah qualified genetically to be spared the necessary destruction that God reaped upon uh, the the earth as that this very same earth by the way that we have today, and so when God brought the deluge upon the earth, and it's quite a bit later than the time that the angels came into the race, the angels came into the race according to the scripture in the year eight ten after Adam, the the flood came upon the race in the year sixteen fifty six the year that Methuselah died, so we have about eight hundred and forty six years between the warning of Adam's death and the time that the flood actually came. And in that time, we have Noah being born and growing up, building his ark and so forth, which which thing we won't go through today, not because it's not extremely important and not because it's extremely tempting to go launch right into, but because we want to see that what happened at the flood was that, and remember how I put this, Satan almost succeeded in destroying the race of men. And Satan yet continues to try to succeed to destroy the race of men. Why would he try to destroy the race of men? Well, one, because he hates men. He hates man. Why does Satan hate man? Because the Lord Jesus Christ became a man. He did not take upon himself angels, but he took upon himself 
man. And Satan coveted the place of the Lord Jesus Christ from the beginning. And even from the beginning, he was a murderer and a liar and a a covetous angel rebelling against God. And the Lord Jesus Christ, before he became a man, of course, being God Almighty, still required and demanded and in his person uh, deserved the highest station above all uh, the created beings, including Satan, and Satan just couldn't live with that, and he still can't. And I want to say this also about Satan and the angels that follow him. As powerful as they are, as mighty as they are, as arrayed in the heavens as they are, as experienced as they are, after all, they have 6,000 years of experience in destroying man. All that being said, Satan himself is yet deceived. He's yet deceived. He is deceived. He, those that follow him are also deceived, angelic and human alike. There is the deception. The one who lies is himself deceived, and he's the father of lies, so he is the father of also the deceived. And uh, n- never forget that. The other thing to remember about Satan is, as powerful as he is, he's not omnipresent, nor is he all-knowing, as God is. But he can mimic omnipresence, and he can mimic being all-knowing because of his vast communication network in the heavens. And he has used this network in the heavens. Uh, He has used his vast skills uh, and his network in the heavens to deceive many. So, for example... Uh, it is possible for Satan to uh, deceive men with uh, certain predictions of the future. Well, we call it predictions of the future. But with his vast network of intelligent uh, uh, heavenly beings, he can know about things before they happen because he can see them coming. Uh, That's certainly possible to see something coming and know it before it happens. For example, Let's say that we're at a at a baseball game, and uh, you know I like baseball, and and you're not familiar with baseball very much, and so we're sitting in the stands, and you hear the crack of a bat, and uh, it sounds to you so loud and so hard that you think certainly this ball is going over the fence. Yet I look out at uh, the left fielder, and I can immediately see that he is setting himself to catch the ball and so that the ball is not going to go over the fence. And so I tell you, no, that ball is not going to go over the fence because I can see by the indicators that you're not looking at that it's not. So Satan uh, has the ability uh, to predict things that are coming because he has a vast network of intelligent beings. Now, that being said, that does not mean that he knows the future. Uh, In fact, we can know the future, certainly, according to the Scripture, and Satan himself doesn't believe it. So we know, for example, that Satan is a defeated foe, that he's going to be cast out of the heavens, that he's only going to have a short time on the earth, and that he's going to get locked up uh, in chains, whatever that means, somewhere possibly under the earth. Uh, but somehow he'll be locked up for a thousand years, and then he'll be thrown into a lake that burns with fire, which is prepared for him. We know all that. He doesn't believe it, even though it's certain to happen more certain than the sun rising tomorrow uh, is 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 that going to happen? The second thing that Satan can um, um, fool men about 
is his presence or omnipresence. Again, he does, he can do that with his vast network of wicked spirits who can uh, get a hold and get a foothold in certain men who invite them to do so. And uh, there is such a thing as demonized people. In fact, they're all over the place. Uh, in, in my adult life, I have seen an increasing number of demonized people walking the streets, inhabiting our insane our, uh, well, I say insane asylums, we don't have that anymore, inhabiting our hospitals, our prisons, our schools, and even our homes, a uh, vast number of demonized people, a growing number of demonized people, as the network of Satan uh, operates. Then we have the normal person caught up with his lusts, not demonized, but certainly heavily influenced either directly or indirectly by angelic beings, whether hearing whether whether having thoughts planted in his mind unknown to him by demon spirits or just following the teachings of those who have had the same thing, Satan begins to emulate or fool men into thinking uh, that he's everywhere because, after all, what Satan really wants is men to regard him as God instead of God. Now, that being said, let me say that to a large extent he's going to succeed. To a large extent, he's going to succeed, and I want to read. Um, I want to read kind of in the middle of things, but just point out something to you by reading in Isaiah chapter twenty-six. We read here the the um, the voice of Israel in the yet future date, beginning in verse twelve. Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us. For thou also hast wrought all our works in us. O Lord our God, other lords besides thee have had dominion over us. But by thee only will we make mention of thy name. They are dead. Literally, they are dead ones. Uh, that's, that's what they say. The, uh, the, the, the other lords are, are dead ones. They shall not rise. Therefore hast thou visited and destroyed them, and made all their memory to perish. Now, this is a future voice of the nation of Israel, and uh, in fact it may have cont- it may have had a contemporary application, but it's a, it's a future voice. And uh, uh, here it says, uh, These are dead ones, they shall not leave, live, they are deceased, they shall not rise. That word deceased is they are the Rephaim. So here it says, they are dead ones. These other lords are dead ones. They are Rephaim. They shall not rise. Uh, let me say in, in further explicating uh, and uh, giving the uh, exegesis of uh, Genesis chapter 6, these, these dead ones, these fallen ones, have no resurrection. That is because they're not human beings. They, they, they will not rise from the dead. Elsewhere we learn that they don't have spirits. God doesn't give them a spirit. They're flesh and bone and blood, but they don't, they're not given spirits. They are Rephaim, and as such they will not rise. All men will rise. Wicked men will rise. Just men will rise. That's that first notion of resurrection, which is everybody up. We we learned about that in our study of the three resurrections. These lords that will have dominion over the children of Israel, this is yet coming. Uh, 
The Apostle Paul writes in the Epistle to the Corinthians, there are God's many and there are Lord's many. We learn from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice, they appear to sacrifice them to dumb idols, which are made of wood or stone, but actually it says they sacrifice to demons because there are demons, there are angelic, there are angelic creatures behind the worship of the Gentiles. They're behind the idols. This was something that Israel was warned about. Israel was warned, if you turn from Jehovah, if you turn from the Lord God, you will begin to worship the whole host of heaven. That's the history of the nation of Israel. Israel first failed to destroy those that God told them to destroy. They failed to destroy their enemy, their, their enemies. These things are written for our examples upon whom the ages have come. When we fail to wrestle against the wicked spirits in heavenly places, we give them place uh, we give them place in our lives, and soon we find that uh, those uh, wicked spirits uh, get a place. They they begin to teach in our churches, and when we get to uh, discuss the the nature of the kingdom of the heavens as it is today, we're going to find out exactly how that happens, and really find out that the Lord warned us about that. But finally. Uh, these demon spirits, this this pan, this whole organization of heavenly hosts that's against our Lord Jesus Christ and that's against every child of God and that's against uh, every 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 born again person here below, that this warfare is going to continue. In fact, when God calls Christians to the judgment seat of Christ to reward them good or evil give you either destruction or good things at the judgment seat of Christ, the world will now be without the salient influence of, of God's people. And without that influence, plus in, a, in addition to that, Satan being cast down to the earth and God sending upon the whole world a deluding influence, the world will receive the, the demon spirits to lead them. They will receive and, and and they will receive dead ones, the offspring of angels with women, to lead them. The Lord Jesus Christ said these words, which we ought to take literally and take fast heed to: "I am come in my Father's name, and I, and you haven't received me. There's one coming who will come in His own name. Him you will receive. That specifically is the seed of Satan or the man of sin, whom Satan will personally occupy." Before that time, before that uh, uh, climactic event takes place, there will be on earth a reception of heroes, just like in the men of renown, just like in the days of Noah. The Lord Jesus Christ told us, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the time of the coming of the Son of Man. In the days of Noah, the offspring of angels and women became famous men, men of renown, men highly regarded. <clears throat> I use the word men loosely. But these creatures became highly regarded among men before the flood. As strange as it may seem, this will happen again. Some people ask me, well, do you think that'll be by cloning? I don't care how it will be by. I, I don't really care to investigate how this all takes place. Some say, well, how does it happen that an angel knows 
a woman. I don't even want to know that. I don't want to. I don't want to get into that. I think that is an untoward and an unhappy fascination that we need to be careful about. That we don't get fascinated with the working of Satan, but that we stay focused on the working of God and what God is doing. But let me tell you that this will happen again. It will be like it was in the days of Noah, and men will raise up and make these these creatures their heroes and their leaders just as Goliath was the great hero of the Philistines. Uh, the, the Philistines were very proud of Goliath. They put him forward. He was their leader, just as was Og and, uh, and Sihon. Uh, those two great leaders, they were kings in their cities. So will, 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 will some of these rise up. In fact... Those who rise up and lead the the ten uh, kingdom um, confederacy, I believe, will be these uh, offspring of angels and men who give their power to the man of sin for a single uh, for a single hour. These are the dead ones. So, in summary, we see that there is a there there is a long standing a long-standing conspiracy against the Lord Jesus Christ, and that that conspiracy is something that we enter into. Now, when I say conspiracy, I, look, I don't want to be uh, misunderstood here. I want to be clear. When we talk about a conspiracy, what that really means is an intelligent organization uh, systematically working against right government. That's what a conspiracy is. These conspire against the Lord Jesus Christ, and this is not this is not some kind of new thing. This is not something alienate alien or imposed upon the scriptures. This is something that uh, we uh, should understand readily uh, by uh, just reading the scripture. Let me read to you, for example, uh, the Book of Acts, chapter four, and this is what. Uh, was preached uh, by, um, I believe, Peter and and uh, John. Actually, this was a this was prayed in a prayer meeting, and and let me read it to to you just uh, so that we don't get it wrong. This is Acts chapter four, um, and verse twenty four. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, "Lord, Thou art God, which has made heaven and earth." and the sea, and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage, and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth thy holy servant Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. You see now, there was an organizing force that brought these enemies together. Uh, Even Herod and Pilate were enemies, but they became fast friends uh, when it came to uh, opposing the Lord Jesus Christ. Pilate, Herod, the Gentiles, the people of Israel, they were gathered together. All these naturally opposing forces gathered together. Okay, it's not named that this was done by angelic uh, by the angelic conflict, but now we have 
our eyes opened. We are those who see from the whole scriptures that certainly behind all this was the enmity in the heavens. And why did they do it? Well, this is the good news, friends. For to do, verse 28 of Acts 4, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. When we look at the angelic conflict, let's remember that all of this is in God's hands. All of this is arranged for your testing. All of this is uh, set, set forward in front of you, that not that you would fail, but that you would succeed and triumph over these wicked spirits and take their place after the judgment seat of Christ. See you tomorrow. <laughs> 